want you to take your copy of the Word of God now and be finding with me the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. I would invite you to be finding with me the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. And in just a few moments, we'll begin our reading there at verse number 6. And this morning, I want to lift and extract two verses of Scripture into your heart and into your hearing. I want us to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. You Bible students know that the Apostle Paul writes an epistle. An epistle is another word for a letter. He addresses this letter to a church. It's called the church at Philippi. So these are the Philippian church members. And Philippians is one of my favorite Bible books. Now it's true, the book of Psalms is my favorite book in the Word of God. I love the praise and the doxology of Psalms. I love the doctrine and the theology of Romans. I love the prophecy and eschatology of Revelation. I love the soteriology of Hebrews. But Shane, there's something very special about this book of Philippians. Why is that? Because Philippians gets right down here where we live in the trenches of life. It's what we call life application instruction. And Philippians is Monday morning Christianity. Now here's the reality. We all look like Christians on Sunday. But Philippians is a book that we can take home with us. The theme of the book of Philippians is joy. Philippians is the Bible's joy book. Almost 16 years ago, I stood next door in that pulpit and preached the very first sermon here at Victory Baptist Church. It was taken from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. This is what it said. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. That word rejoice is made up of two parts. There's a prefix re which means to do it over again, repeat the process. And then there's that word joy, which means an inner gladness. So when you rejoice, you have joy over and over and over again. You repeat the process. You had joy yesterday, but you have joy today, and you have joy tomorrow. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I write these things unto you that your joy may be full. Now there's a lot of verses I could share with you today from the book of Philippians. We could go to, to chapter 1 and I could mention verse 21. This is what it says. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I could quote verse 23. For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But Tim, unless Jesus comes again, one day I'm going to die. And I'm going to check out of this world, and I'm going to go to heaven. That would be a good message we could preach today. I could go to chapter 2, and I could share with you that great Christological passage, verses 9, 10, and 11. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if I preach that today, Brother Melvin, we would all shout and say hallelujah. I could go to chapter 3 and I could mention verses 13 and 14. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to say, don't you dare live in the past. By the good grace of God, you can get past your past. And don't let your past paralyze your present and your future. We could go to chapter 4 and I could quote to you the most well-known verse in this book, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I could mention verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And all of those messages would be appropriate today, but hear me. There are two special verses in the book of Philippians for me. These are my verses. And these verses speak to me more than all of the others. You know what it is? It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Now, God's already spoke to my heart, and this message today, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not shooting at anybody, it's for me. I need this message. And I figure if I need it, then maybe you need it too. God has already spoken to my heart in my preparation. This is where I live, y'all, and I want to share it with you today. So now let's notice the Word of God together, Philippians chapter 4. I want to preach for just a little while, if God would help me, on this subject. A heart and mind for revival. A heart and mind for revival. In a few weeks in November, Evangelist Rick Corum will be here at Victory. We'll be having our fall revival. I'm in revival this week. I'm in revival next week. So I need a heart and a mind for revival. Notice with me the Word of God. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says, Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Now, Brother Harry, when we use that word careful in our vocabulary, this is what we're saying. Be cautious. Look out. Beware. Be safe. But when Paul uses the word careful, that's not what he's saying. He says, Be careful. Don't be full of cares. Don't be full of anxiety. Don't be full of stress and panic and fear and dread. Don't be full of worry. So you can read verse 6 this way. Don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. But then notice verse number 6. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So you can summarize verse 6 this way. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. But here's the reality. Sometimes we worry about everything and pray about nothing. But what happens, Brother Tim, when we pray as we are instructed to in verse 6? Well, verse 7 tells us. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Look at it again. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, it's a peace that doesn't even make any sense. It's a peace that the world cannot understand. It's a peace that Hollywood cannot comprehend. 
And Washington, D.C. cannot comprehend. And the news media, they don't get it. Social media, you don't find it there. It's the peace of God which passes all understanding and it shall guard your hearts and keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now everybody listen to me. In verse number 6, we've got a problem. What is the problem in verse number 6? Well, we're full of cares. We're full of anxiety. We're, we're full of panic. We're full of stress. And we're full of worry. And that's where a lot of us live. I'm going to confess, I stay in verse 6 a lot. Seems like I hang out in verse 6. Seems like I live in verse number 6. Somehow, some way. I've got to get out of verse 6 and get into verse 7 because verse 6 is the problem. I've got anxiety, I've got stress, I've got worry. And somehow I've got to get out of verse number 6 with the problem and I've got to get over into verse 7 and the promise of peace. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm interested in two words in verse number 7. I'm interested in that Bible word heart, and I'm interested in that Bible word mind. A heart and mind for revival. I'm a student of revival. I, I love to, to study and research and read about past revivals uh, historically. And this is what I've learned about revival. Prayer always precedes revival. It's prayer that produces revival. If you want to have revival, don't talk it down or preach it down or sing it down. Pray it down. And revival does not begin in the pulpit. Revival begins in the prayer closet. And here's what I'm learning. If my heart and mind are not right, I'm not going to have revival. If my heart and my mind are, are, are all cluttered up, I, I'm not going to have revival. If my heart's not clear and my mind's not clear, I'm not going to have revival. If my heart and mind are all bogged down, loaded down, weighed down, then I'm not going to experience revival. See, I have to have a heart and a mind that is prepared and ready for revival. And you know what? We can have good singing, and we have good singing every Sunday. Alicia just did a great job. And you can have good singing. You might even have good preaching. I don't know if you'll get it today. But, but see, you can have good singing and good preaching, and that's on the outside. But revival has to be more than that. It's not just on the outside. It's got to be down on the inside. It's got to be the inward part of you and me. It's got to be in our heart, and it's got to be in our mind. Well, I looked up that word heart, and I found out that it's the Greek word cardia. It's where we get our word cardiology. It's the study of the heart. And this is what it said. The heart is your thoughts, your intellect, your emotions, and your feelings. It's part of who you are on the inside. And the heart is an extension of your soul. And then I looked up the word mind. It's the same thing. It's your thoughts. It's your intellect. It's your emotions. It's your feelings. And it's the real you. It's who you are inwardly. It's an extension of the soul. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37? He said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind. By the way, who you are in your heart and who you are in your mind is who you really are. Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, it seems like the Bible would say, if you're going to think, you're going to think with your mind. But that's not what it says. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Who you are in your heart is who you really are. And in the Bible, the word heart and the word mind are used interchangeably. It's really the same thing. And by the way, the things that come out of your mouth is just a reflection of what's in your heart and in your mind. It's found in, in, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Look at the last part. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in the well of the heart comes out the bucket of, of the mouth. Now, I've heard this all my life, and it sounds good on the surface, but there's just one problem with it. It ain't so. It's just not right according to the Bible. Somebody says, I'm just going to follow my heart. You better not. You'll be in trouble. Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And here's the reality. You say, i got a good heart. No, you don't. I don't either. None of us do according to the Bible. The heart is dirty and the heart is depraved. That's why David said in Psalm 51, verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God, give me a brand new heart. Psalm 139, verse 23, oh my. David says, Lord, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, know my anxious thoughts. God, send your Holy Spirit to chisel away at my heart and look down in the cracks and crevices of my heart and down into the depths of my heart and the secret chambers of my heart. So we read about the heart, but then we read about the mind. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it's Romans 12.2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your, your, your mind. So if I can have a revived heart and a renewed mind, I believe that I can experience true, heaven-sent revival. A heart and mind for revival. Let's go back to our passage. The Bible says in verse number 6, Be careful for nothing. Be anxious about nothing. Worry about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Leave it right there, Preston. The first part of verse 6 is usually where I am. Full of cares, anxieties, stress, and worry. Somehow, beloved, I've got to get out of that verse 6 and get over into the blessing of verse number 7. I've got to get out of the problem and into the promise of peace. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I call the verses that we're reading today the peace of mind passage. And that's P-E-A-C-E. -E. Did you know that there's another peace of mind? That's P-I-E-C-E. -E. I wrote it down like this. You cannot have peace of mind when you're always giving everyone a piece of your mind. Can I say that again? You know you do that. I do too. You can't experience a peace of mind when you're always giving everybody a piece of your mind. Hey, if you keep giving everybody a piece of your mind, you're not going to have a mind left. 
Amen, Sister Dari. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you my outline. I'm going to preach this message again, God willing, in the 11 o'clock church. And if God will let me, I hope he will, I'm going to preach it tonight in Marietta, Georgia. And really I'm just preaching to me. But I believe somebody else is going to get help today. Y'all, we got to get out of verse 6. But somehow we got to get over into verse 7, the peace of God. Now here's my first point, number one. It's what I call our problem. Our problem. Now I'm going to start with a problem, Brother Darrell, but then I'm going to move and give you the solution. It's not going to be good at first. In fact, it's going to be bad, but it's going to get better and business is going to pick up. So you got to address the problem. You got to confront the problem head on. You got to diagnose the problem. You got to troubleshoot the problem. Let's just kind of start with the problem. Go back and look at verse number six. We've already mentioned it. Paul says, be careful for nothing. Don't be full of cares, anxieties, and, and worries. Hey, I, I heard about a lady. Her and her husband moved into a new house. They've been there about 10 years. And she loved that house. But ever since she moved in 10 years earlier, she had a nagging thought every day. It just, it just consumed her. It just plagued her. And that's all she talked about. It's all she, she dwelt on. This is what she said. I just feel like, a burglar is going to break into this house. A thief's going to come in and rob us and steal us blind. I mean, every day she said that to her husband, and her husband just got tired of listening to it. I just feel like a burglar is going to break in and going to steal everything in our house. Well, one night, her and her husband were awakened out of a sleep by a noise downstairs. The husband went down to kind of check it out, and sure enough, it was a burglar. It was a thief. And he was taking everything, just robbing them, stealing them blind. And that husband very calmly said, Sir, would you please go upstairs and introduce yourself to, to my wife? She's been expecting you. She's been looking for you for 10 years now. Well, hear me. A burglar can steal from you one time. But look this way. Anxiety can steal from you for a lifetime. I need to say this loud and clear. I'm preaching to me. I'm just talking to me. They're going to put it on the screen. Get this, get this. Anxiety is a thief. Anxiety is a thief. It'll, it'll rob you. It'll steal you blind. You know what anxiety does? It robs you of your confidence. It robs you of your contentment. Anxiety takes away your joy and your peace and, and your worship. In fact, anxiety will steal away your life. What does Jesus say in John 10, 10? Our enemy, the thief, has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Don't let anxiety steal everything away. Be careful for nothing. Now, you can say it this way. You got cares. You got anxiety. You got fretting. You used that word a moment ago, Shane, in our conversation. The Bible says in Psalm 37 three times, fret not. There's three knots in the Bible that helps me. Faint not. Fear not. Fret not. You, you can call it fret. You can call it anxiety. You can call it being full of cares. But here's the word I use, worry. I know a thing or two about worry. Some of y'all do too. You are looking today at a professional worrier. I mean, I put the warts 
in worry. I am a worry wart. That's what I do. Now, I don't want to worry. I, I don't mean to worry. I don't get up first thing in the morning and say, it's time to get out of bed. You've got to start worrying. I don't do that. But what is worry? Worry is kind of like sitting in a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. That, that's, that's, that's worry. I looked up that word worry, and I found out that it really is derived from an old English word, which means to strain it. So worry will put a chokehold on you. Worry will squeeze the life out of you. Worry will just suck the life out of you. Let me read to you a few things about, about worry. Worry is the interest we pay on tomorrow's troubles. Worry pulls tomorrow's cloud over today's sunshine. Worry gives a small thing a big shadow. There's a song that we used to sing years ago. I used to hear it. Don't worry. Be happy. You ever heard that? Don't worry. Be happy. A few years ago, I, I kind of tweaked that title. I preached on the subject. Don't worry. Be holy. Well, I don't want to worry. I want to be happy. And I want to be holy. But it's not so easy. Because we got this and we got that. I'm a mess. You're a mess. We've all got stuff. That's where we are today. Now let me tell you. That word anxiety, this is going to help somebody. This is the part of the message that really speaks to me. That word anxiety is a Greek word that's actually made up of two Greek words. One of those Greek words means to tear, to separate, to divide. And then the other Greek word means the mind. So you put it together literally. Anxiety is a divided mind. That's what it means. If you've got anxiety, and I do, if you struggle with anxiety, and I do, that means that you have a, a mind that is torn in all different directions. A divided mind. Is that scriptural? Well, it sure is. James 1.8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And see, you're supposed to have a mind that's constructive, that builds up. But sometimes you have a destructive mind that tears down. And your mind is just all over the place. Now, I love God. I love the Lord Jesus. I love the Bible. I love my church. I'm going to heaven. But my mind is just divided. It's just torn. It's just here and there. That's anxiety. That's what Paul is talking about. Be careful for nothing. Be, be careful for nothing. Does the Bible teach us about worry and anxiety? Well, sure it does. Matthew 6, 25, the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said it this way. Take no thought for your life. That's the same Greek word. Don't be full of cares. Don't have anxiety. Don't worry. What you going to eat? What you going to drink? What about your body? What you going to put on? What kind of clothes? Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? You know what Jesus is saying? If I feed the birds in the air, don't you think I'll feed you? Stop worrying about it. If I put clothes on the field with lilies and flowers and I clothe those grounds with the flowers, and don't you think I'll put clothes on your back? I was thinking about this yesterday. When I was a little boy, I didn't know what anxiety was. 
I didn't have a care in the world. I was carefree. I wasn't full of cares. I was carefree. I didn't know anything about worry or anxiety. I just knew that mom and daddy was going to feed me. I was going to have three meals a day. I knew that they was going to go to Sears and buy me some clothes. Well, if, 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 if they can do that, don't you think God can take care of you? Don't you think God will feed you and put clothes on your back? Well, there's another one. It's Luke chapter 10, verse 41. You know, in, 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 in the church, we need two kinds of ladies. We need Mary that worships, and we need Martha that serves. Well, Martha was a servant, but sometimes she kind of had a hissy fit. She got all bit out of shape. She got all stressed out. She got all worried and full of anxiety. And one day Jesus kind of called her out on it. This is what he said. Martha, you are careful. <laughs> you are full of cares and you are troubled about many things. Jesus said, stop worrying. That's what he said. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 32, Paul says, but I would have you without carefulness. I don't want you to have all these cares. Stop carrying around all these cares. Everybody knows this verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You know what that means? Give him your anxieties. That's what I need to do. Give him your worries and your stress and your panic and your fear. and your Give him all your mess. Give him all your stuff. I wrote it down like this. Stop carrying your cares and cast your cares. Stop carrying around all that stuff and just cast it on the Lord. It's going to weigh you down. It's too heavy for you to carry. Y'all know I like to go hiking from time to time. And here's my little rule that I came up with. This is just my own personal rule. If it's five miles or less, I take half. Just me. I may have a bottle of water, but I just walk. If it's over five miles, I'll take a backpack. I did one the other day up in Tennessee that was 13 miles. And when you do one that long, you've got to have your lunch, you've got to have water and Gatorade and snacks and everything else you need. And it kind of is heavy. I mean, it weighs you down. So as you're walking, you're carrying that load. And, and, but then when you stop, immediately, the first thing you do, take that backpack off. And you feel 100 pounds lighter. And you just cast it aside. But I want to say, why in the world would you carry around all these anxieties and all this heavy load of worry and cares when the Bible says you don't have to carry those cares. You can cast those cares upon the Lord. You know, it's October. Can you believe it's already October? In fact, it's close to November. And it's, it's already getting close to the holiday season, y'all. November's going to be Thanksgiving. And then December's going to be Christmas. And did you know that the holiday season, unfortunately, is a time when we have a lot of anxiety and stress and worry. There's even a psychological disorder. It's called SAD, SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. There's not as much sunshine. It gets dark at night, and people just get kind of gloomy. You know, in the holiday season, you're kind of stressed out because of certain family members you don't want to see. Everybody's got crazy family members. If you don't know who the one is in your family, it's you. That's who it is. We've all got a cousin Eddie. I mean, you know, it causes us to kind of get to get anxious. What what do we worry about? Well, I googled that. Let me let me read to you five things we worry about. We worry about our financial obligations. 
or we don't have enough money, can we possibly get, get by our personal income? Then we worry about Social Security. I've been paying into it since I was 15 years old. When it's time for me to retire, probably ain't going to be there. We worry about that. And then, then, then we, 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 we worry about terrorist attacks. I never did until 9-11. It's something you have to think about. We, we, we worry about health care. Everybody's so sick, it seems. I mean, the hospitals are full. And here's one. We worry about what other people think of us. We're always worried about what other people think about us. Watch this. I read this. Here's a statistic that helps me. 90% of what we worry about is negative. Brother Randy Gerald, I'm spending all this time anxious, stressed out, worried sick. And 90% of the time, it never even happens. We are wasting a lot of time being all anxious and stressed and fearful and panicked and, and, and all worried. That's what Paul says. Be careful. Be careful for nothing. I'm still on point one. I'm trying to hurry. I read this. 40 million people. 40 million people in the United States suffer from some form of anxiety. Watch this. Anxiety has now surpassed depression as the number one mental illness and emotional disorder. You know why it's a mental disorder? Because it affects the mind. You know why it's an emotional disorder? Because it affects the soul. Forty million people are plagued with it. Boston University did a study on anxiety. And did you know the good old United States of America is the country that suffers more from anxiety than any other place on the face of the earth? They said it this way. United States, we have more anxiety than Nigeria and Lebanon, and the Ukraine, and many of those Middle Eastern countries. And I thought about that. All those places have turmoil. There's fighting there. They don't have anything like we have here. I mean, we have everything that we could possibly want or need, yet we have more anxiety than that crowd. Why is that? I don't know. But the United States of America wins the Olympics when it comes to anxiety. Everybody listen? Be careful for nothing. 100 sicknesses have been attributed to anxiety. It affects the GI, heart issues, uh, the central nervous system. I, I wrote it down like this. Control your anxiety. Don't let your anxiety control you. we got a problem. That's verse 6. And that's where we've been living. That's where I hang out. Y'all, we got to stop that. Somehow, some way, by the grace of God, we've got to get out of verse 6 and get over into verse 7. Well, number one, our problems. Number two, our prayers. Just using the Bible word, our prayer. We're still in verse 6, but look at it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. But in everything by prayer. Just leave that verse up, Preston. I looked up that word prayer, and it's the, the, the Greek word proskue. And what does that mean? It means to prostrate yourself. It means to pray, but it means to bow down. It, it means to worship God. I've heard this all my life. If you're praying about it, you're not worrying about it. If you're worrying about it, you're not praying about it. 
And I do pray. And even though I pray, my problems are still there. But something happens, Brother Brad. It's amazing. As I pray more about it and bow before God more about it and worship God more about it, my anxiety begins to melt away. My depression, it doesn't leave completely, but it seems to get better when I pray more and I worship more. See, the, the more you worship, the less you worry. The more you worry, the, 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 the less you, you worship. you gotta, you got to pray. You want to get out of verse 6? Well, he tells us how to do it. you got to pray. you got to pray. you got to pray. And as you pray, watch the anxiety get better. Watch that depression go, go away. There's a lot of things you can do after you pray. There's nothing you can do until you pray. Someone met me the other day in my office and went through this long laundry list of all the things wrong in their life. I got this problem. I got this struggle. I'm going through this trial. I got this issue. I'm going in this valley. And I mean, it's just one thing after another. And I talked to this person. I talked to that person. I'm talking to you now. I went to a counselor. I went to a therapist. I, I, I watched a, a video. I read a book. I, I went to, to, to this. I went to that. I, I listened to the podcast. I guess all I can do now is pray. And I thought, dear God in heaven, that's what you should have started doing then. That's, that's what, I wouldn't be talking to you right now if you've been praying about it. Make sure that prayer is not the last resort, but it's the first resort. You got choices to make? Pray about it. You, you, you got decisions to make? Pray about it. Worried about the future? Well, 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 pray about it. Pray about it. Pull that verse back up, Brother Brad. Verse 11. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. What is supplication? I looked it up. And, Brother David, it means emotional praying. It's, it's, it's praying when you get in trouble. Brother Greg Hyman, I found out that I pray best when I'm in trouble. Oh, God, help me. Lord, I need you. It's emotional prayer. When you cry out unto the Lord, supplication. I heard about a mama that had a three-year-old son. She loved that three-year-old son, and that boy loved him. He was a mama's boy. He clung to his mama. He would not let mama get out of his sight. He wanted to be with mama. Well, she loved him, but every day she said, Now, son... You're going to have to give me about 20 minutes alone. You sit over there on the couch, watch TV, play your game, and, and, and let Mama just have about 20 minutes to talk to God and pray and have my devotion. Son, do you understand? Give me 20 minutes to have my devotion before the Lord. Well, she did. The phone rang. That little boy answered it. He didn't want to disturb Mama. That person said, can I speak to your mother? He said, no, you can't talk to her. She's busy. She's having her emotions. Well, Pam, he said it wrong, but really he said it right. That's what supplication is. It's having your emotion with God. Having your devotion with God. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. When you pray, you're thanking God. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. You're grateful. You exalt Him. With thanksgiving, Psalm 100, verse number 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. You know what that means, Shane? You don't just generally say, God bless me. You specifically say, Now God, you're going to have to fix that. 
I'm going to give that to you. This thing has bogged me down, and I just don't know what to do. You're going to have to fix my wife. You're going to have to fix my husband. You're going to have to fix our marriage. You're going to have to fix our kids. You're going to have to get, get them off that pill. You're going to have to get them away from that, t- that TV screen and that phone screen because they're looking at stuff they shouldn't be looking at. You're going to have to fix this, God. And you just get real specific with God. Brother Melton, God can handle it. Just go ahead and tell. He already knows. Somebody says, why do we have to pray anyway? Because the Bible says that he knows what we need before we ask. He knows, but he wants you to tell him. Let your requests be made known unto God. I, I wrote it down like, like this. The way you get out of the problem, into the promise, is the prayer. Well, I told you we kind of hang out in verse 6. We do. That's where we live. We've got to get out of verse 6, the problem, and get into the promise of peace. And you know how we do it? Through prayer. Well, we finally made it to verse 7. Aren't you glad? We're finally in verse number 7. Number 1, our problem. Number 2, our, our prayer. Number 3, our peace. Our peace. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a peace which, which passes all understanding. It's mind-blowing peace. Peace that makes no sense whatsoever. You know what peace is? It's tranquility of the soul. A peace is a quiet rest when you just ah, peace. Jesus said, peace be still. God can give us, he can give us that, 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 that peace. Don't you want that peace? Don't, don't you want that peace? Here's how I know God speaks to me. Brother Keith Metcalf, you know how I know God speaks to me? If I have a peace. Now, if there's chaos and there's frustration and I can't get settled on anything, that's not from God. God speaks to me with peace. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but what? Of peace. He speaks to me and he gives you a peace. He speaks to you and he gives you that, that, that peace. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. And here's a great verse as we close. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. You want to have peace today? You know where it's going to come from? Not going to come from your body. Not, not going to come from your pride. It's going to come from your heart. And it's going to come from your mind. The Bible says in verse number 7, The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The idea is the peace of God stands as a garrison guard. The peace of God stands as your security guard. And here comes that anxiety trying to creep back in. Here comes all those negative thoughts trying to creep back in. Here comes all that depression trying to bombard you. Here comes all that stress and that fear trying to load you down. And the peace of God says, nope, you can't enter into that pattern. You can't enter into that night. The peace of God's going to keep your heart and it's going to keep your mind. Back in the days of pioneer aviation, that's when planes just kind of started flying, you know. Joey, this will be good for you. There was a man that took his plane up. He was a solo pilot, and he was flying. And as he was flying, he kept hearing something there in front of the, the plane. And he just kind of figured out he could listen. A rat had gotten inside that plane and was kind of chewing and gnawing 
on all that stuff, all that mechanical stuff. And he got to thinking about it. Well, maybe it's not a big deal, but maybe it is. Because if that rat chews through that wire or that cable, it can bring this whole thing down. So he said, what am I going to do? I got two hours before I can, before I can land, and, and this thing, it may just kind of chew, chew me up from the inside out. Well, he remembered something that he had read about rodents. A rat is a rodent, and rodents are ground critters. They live underground. They're not meant to fly up high. So what he did, he took that plane a thousand feet higher, and then a thousand feet higher, and then a thousand feet higher. And you know what? He didn't hear that rat stirring anymore because that rat died. It cannot handle the atmosphere and the elevation like that. Well, he was able to land that plane and everything was good. He opened it up and there was that dead rat. You know what? That's kind of like anxiety, depression. It's been gnawing at you from the inside. But the higher you go, you soar higher and higher and higher. And anxiety and depression has to flee away. Soar above it today. Stop living under the circumstances and get above the circumstances. I just preached to me today. And the Holy Spirit said, you preach it at Victor, you preach it tonight, and there he is. Because somebody besides you needs to hear it. And I'm going to ask David to come with our hymn of invitation. Put this on the screen, Preston, my last slide. Don't carry your care. You like me? You've been living in verse 6? It's been a long time since you've been to the altar, sir. And I'm not begging you to come. And I know uh, 8.30, you know, it's kind of a quiet service. People don't move much. I know that. But you know what? It'd be good for you to step out today. Ma'am, it's been too long since you've been here. Why don't you just go ahead and just, just cast that care upon you? You've been carrying around too long. You've got to get out of verse 6. You've got to get into verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Lord, I know I took a while today to preach, but there's so much, there's so much to say from just two verses, just two verses. And I tried my best to unpack it. God, what these sweet people need to hear today, what they need to realize and understand is what you taught me in my study. Anxiety is a thief. Anxiety steals. It robs us of our joy and our peace and our confidence and our life and our worship. And we've been carrying around anxiety. Everywhere we go, we take that anxiety with us. We take that worry with us. We just don't know what I'm going to do. And all the while, God says, I don't want you to carry it. I want you to give it to me. Cast it on me. Somebody today ought to come and just, just kind of cast some stuff off. Just going to be lighter when you leave there. You're going, you're going to be lighter. You're going to feel a lot lighter because you're going to cast it on the Lord. Why don't you come, sir? Why don't you be the first one, ma'am? Why don't you come and just give it to the Lord? If you've never given your life to Christ, young man, you need to be saved today. Ask Jesus to come into your life. He died on a cross for your sins. He was buried in a grave, but he came back to life. He rose from the dead. And if you'll believe on Jesus, you can be saved. But most of us today, I believe, are already Christians. But we're carrying around stuff that's too heavy for us. So today, we cast it upon the Lord. Be careful for nothing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.